So I, I'm so glad that you guys are in here. We are in uh, week two of our two-week sermon series called uh, You Are the Good News. You Are the Good News. And that's exciting that God has said to us that we are good news. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. Um, before I do that, though, I just want to say uh, thank you to the, to the people who have been serving and volunteering and getting here early. And we haven't set up in a long time. It's been quite a while, right? And so some of the things aren't coming together as we hope they are. So we're still trying to figure this out, and hopefully by next week, things are banging on all cylinders, and that will be amazing. But I just want to say thank you to those of you who are doing sound, who are singing, who are doing lights, all that. Like, it's really, really precious. And some of you have been serving over the past three weeks since we started our dress rehearsal a few weeks ago. So thank you so much uh, to you all for that. Um, I'm going to pray. And, uh, and prayer is simply talking to God. Some of you might be here this morning and uh, you might not believe in God. You might not believe that the Bible is from God. Uh, we do. And I would just say that uh, at one point, all of us in this room uh, didn't believe that this was from God. We didn't believe that Jesus was who he said he was. And so we're all there. And, and so I'm so glad that you're here. I don't know where you're coming from, but I'm so glad you're here this morning. We're going to hear from the Bible. Jordan read us a passage and, um, and that's what we'll be doing. Before I pray, though, let me say this. We have kids in here. Kids are going to make noise, all right? And so don't feel bad. Like, we expected this to happen. We expect your kids to make noise. Don't choke them out. Don't put anything over them, okay? That's not a good idea. Uh, don't worry, all right? I have four little kids. They're not so little anymore. And, uh, and I'm just going to plow through it. So don't think you're distracting me. Don't worry about people around you. They're here. We're all in this together, okay? And as things become safer and we're able to add a kids ministry on and we're able to add singing on, like we're in communication with government officials and all that to make this as safe as we possibly can. Our motto during this time is safe, spacious, and sanitized. So uh, that's what we're trying to do. So that was my preamble. Let me pray, and then I'll get on point. God, thank you that you love us. Thank you that you invite us into your presence. Thank you that you invited us before we loved you. You didn't wait for us to to be good boys and girls to show you how great we can be for you, but you loved us when we were enemies, when we were anti-you, when we had anti-God tendencies flowing through our veins. You loved us. When we were crying out against you, you came after us. And now we who love you are, are, are your kids. I want to pray for those who are here this morning who don't, who don't yet know you relationally. And I pray that you would, in the most wonderful way possible, hijack their life this morning. And that you cause them to see how beautiful you really are. And so we love you and we need you for everything. Please speak to our hearts this morning. Amen. All right, so light. Who knows what light is? Just put your hand up. Mouth closed, hands up. All right, good. Those of you who didn't put your hands up, I don't know what to tell you. All right, these are lights here. It's not darkness, okay? So why do we need light? First question. I see that hand. Just throw it out. Why do we need light? So we can see. That's it. I didn't even rehearse that with my son. All right, so we can see. Because this isn't rocket science. Adults, pay attention. All right, so we can see something. All right, so kids... You guys all have, like, hidden ammunition with you today, right? Yeah? Did you guys get the email? Yeah? Okay, so why don't you pull those things out now? 
Why don't you turn those things on now? Yes. Yes. Adults, we did not invite you to bring flashlights. Do not participate. <laughs> we invited the kids to, turn, to bring flashlights. So here's the deal. All right? For this to work well, no lasers in my eye either, okay? I want to keep my eyes as much as I can. Um, so here's the deal. Okay, shut them off. And if it takes you like four clicks to shut it off, just put it down, okay? Here's what I want you to do. Number one, you cannot shine it in someone's eyes. If you do, I have superhero powers. I will leap up there, grab the light, and take it from you. No, I won't, but just don't point it in someone's eyes, okay? Second rule is you can point it at my eyes, just not your lasers, okay? So you can point them at my eyes. Shine me up, okay? Yeah, like that, okay? Good job. Now put them away. Oh, you obey so well, most of you. Uh, So I want you to turn your flashlight on every time you hear the word light. All right? You with me, Joa? All right, brother. Okay, so you guys turn your lights on every time I say the word light. And, very good. And if you can't obey that, then I will start using synonyms, which you don't know what that means. And I will no longer say the word that rhymes with my name, Dwight. Okay? So if you guys are good for this, I'm good for it, all right? So we need light so that we can see things, okay? What happens if we don't have light? What happens if we don't have light? Good job, guys. Now shut them off. No blinkies. What happens if we don't have it? We won't be able to see. That's right. We won't be able to see. We'll be living in what? Darkness. You kids are amazing. I'm so glad you're here. What do you think living in darkness would be like? Lifeless? All right. What else? Scary? Fall off cliffs because that's the only way you can live in darkness? You run into everything. It would be really hard, wouldn't it? Have you... You could be blind. That's right. So here's what living in darkness could actually do. I read an article on this. This is pretty crazy. That when people spend long amounts of time in darkness, this is what happens. They lose their ability to tell time. Someone was in a cave for two months and they thought it was nine months. Okay, you lose your ability to tell time. You start seeing things. People said that they they saw like triangles and circles and squares just show up out of nowhere. Right, you start to see things. And, and people slowly started to lose their mind. This is the reason why darkness is torture for some people. Okay? And some people who spent too much time in darkness actually became blind. That they lost their sight altogether. That we were not made to live in darkness. But here's the deal. According to the Bible, according to the Bible, all people live in darkness. Let me read something for you from the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah is a book in the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 9. There are very familiar verses in this uh, that talk about, we read at Christmas time, uh, but this is just before this. It says in Isaiah 9 verse 2, the people walking in darkness, get ready kids, have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. You've Uh, enlarge the nation, increase its joy. The people have rejoiced before you as they rejoice at harvest time and as they rejoice when dividing spoils. So what Isaiah is saying is that people are living in darkness, but when that great, ready for the synonym, luminescence comes, when the great sun comes, I didn't say the word. 
when the light comes, all right, then people rejoice. It's like a feast is, is happening, like a big party is, is happening. That people are excited because they've been walking in darkness their whole life, and then light happens and they can see. I like this. I like this little thing we're doing back and forth. Here's what it means. It means that life is more than just our senses. Life. I didn't say the word. Close. You've got to hold on for the whole word, kids. Come on. Life. Life is more than just touch, taste, smell, feel. But yet, we get into these ruts. Like, a, like the, the little bowling lane when, you, when you're a bad bowler, right? Let's just own it, okay? When you're a bad bowler, not everyone's a champion. You're not all winners, okay? If you're bad, you put it in the little gutter. And, and you can live life like that, that you just get in this little gutter, and all life is for you is that you eat, you sleep, you go to work, you go to school, you go on your vacation, you take your naps, and then you die. I have this little thing with my kids, by the way. Every story I tell them at night before they go to bed ends in death. <laughs> I don't know why. It's just this weird thing. But that's, that's it. At the end, we all die. And for so many of us, life to us is just trying to figure out how to make the most of our 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years that we have. We're walking in darkness. All that we can touch and feel is all that there is. That's what we think. But when the light comes, when the light comes, it shows us something else. It shows us we don't know what we're missing. Uh, earlier this year, I went, to, um, I went to San Francisco, and I flew in, and it was really foggy, and it was getting dark, and I was so excited to get to go over the Golden Gate Bridge, because it's beautiful from everything I've seen. But when I went over, it was just fog and darkness, and I said, oh, man. So my experience of going over the Golden Gate Bridge was like I was in a tunnel. I missed out on the Bay Area. So I said, oh, on the way back home, surely I'll get... I'll get that experience. Nope, fog and darkness again. So San Francisco to me is just like a tunnel. I don't know that anything else exists there. One of the most beautiful bridges in the world I'm on, and it just seems like darkness to me, and I just kept plowing forward to where I was going. And that's what life is for so many people. In fact, at one point it was true for all of us that we miss the beauty. We miss the beauty that we were made for. We miss that we were made for something more than just eating, sleeping, having a little family, getting a good RRSP, and then dying, and hoping that there's something better in the end. You were made for so much more than that. I don't know your story, but I know that you're here. And if you're here, what that means is that you were made and created, though you might not believe in a creator right now, you were made and created for a value, meaning, and purpose that will never burn off. It's like the endless glorious fog that never burns away. That you were made for this. And this is why Jesus comes. This is why Jesus comes. Let me read to you from John 8, verse 12. Um, if you don't have a Bible, I would encourage you to go to App Store, go to Version Bible app, download that. You can actually hop on to Cineplex's Time Play, and uh, they'll donate that to you, right? So it's amazing. Um, we're, we're going to stop putting all the verses up on the screen and we really encourage you to bring a Bible. We can't give those out to you now because 
you know, who knows what we're putting on it to give to you. Um, but you can bring your own, and I would highly recommend that. John 8, verse 12, book in the New Testament. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Are you with me, kids? I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Here's what Jesus is saying. All right, you ready? Tune in. Here's what Jesus was saying. Following him means never walking in darkness, but having the light of life, having the the fog burn off, having the fog burn off from the San Francisco Bay Area so you can see all the beauty of what you're there for. You can see what life is actually about. But how does this take place? Well, let me go to Colossians. Colossians is another book in the New Testament. Colossians chapter 1, Paul writes to the church in Colossae. And he says this, Colossians 1, 13 and 14. He, Jesus, has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. In him we have redemption, freedom, liberation, the forgiveness of sins. So Jesus, being the light of the world, comes in. And what he does for us is he lives a perfect life. He shows us a reality that we can't live. That Jesus lives a perfect life. How many of you want to live a perfect life? How many of you have tried to live a perfect life? How many of you are succeeding at that? (laughs) Yeah, all hands drop. Jesus does that though. He lives a perfect life submitted to the reason that God sent him. And he does that not to just show off and say, ha, look what I can do and you can't do it. But he does that for us. He lives a perfect life for us. He lives a perfect life in our place. And we get to see what beauty and perfection actually looks like. And then we see ourselves and we say, oh, but I'm not like that. But how can I be like that? All of us want to be perfect. All of us want to live forever. All of us want to have a value, meaning, and purpose that will never go away. And when we see Jesus, we say, I want that. And Jesus says, you can have it. But the only way you can have it is is not trying to be a good little boy or girl. The only way you can have it is by receiving what I'm going to give to you. That Jesus goes to the cross. And do you know why he went to the cross? He went to the cross to die in our place. That the cross should have been for us. We should have had to have died for, for our rebellion against our creator. But instead, Jesus goes, lives a perfect life, is a perfect sacrifice in our place, and then he offers us life. He says, my perfection can be yours. My relationship with God can be yours. My value, meaning purpose, which extends for all of eternity, can be yours. You can have it. All you have to do is take it. And we get, we get all caught up in like, yeah, yeah, but it can't be that good. If someone calls you and says, I'm going to give you $10 million or a A prince or princess from some country somewhere off in the world sends you an email and says that they want to donate all this money to you. You know it's too good to be true, don't you? Or you've been scammed and now you really know it's too good to be true. But this offer isn't too good to be true. Now it'll cost you everything, but you're receiving something you could never receive without taking it. That Jesus went to the cross for you and he rose from the grave for you so that you and I could have Life. We are offered life. And life is not just information about God. 
Some of us like to do that. We take lots of theology classes. We read lots of books. We read the Bible. And we just take in information about God. And we know a lot about him, but knowing a lot about him is different than knowing him. I remember talking to our kids about this when they would go to school. And they were like, oh, my friend knows Jesus. I'm like, do they know Jesus or do they know about Jesus? And then we would talk about that and they'd come home and they're like, oh, they know about Jesus. They know facts, but they don't know him. It's so different. It's the difference between knowing what a, a flashlight can do, being able to explain all the science behind it. I said light, kids, by the way. You missed that one, but that's okay. There we go. I'm getting lasers now. Ah, my retina is burning. Uh, it's the difference between knowing about a flashlight and actually turning on a flashlight and experiencing the benefit of the light itself. And Jesus comes to help us know how to truly live. And do you know what he does? The same spirit that moved in Jesus all throughout his ministry, Jesus has given that to all who will submit to him. He puts his spirit, his eternal spirit into us and says, my spirit is going to make you just like me. I mean, this is amazing stuff. This is outstanding stuff. It's like, what do you want to be when you grow up? It's like, oh, I want to be a carpenter. I want to be a police officer. I want to be an astronaut. I want to be a professional hockey player. Well, Jesus is saying, there's so much more. You can do all those things, but you can be just like me. I will transfer you into my kingdom and make you just like myself. And so we're finally getting to our passage. Kids, we're, we're killing it this morning. You guys are doing great. We're getting to our passage where Jesus says... You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. And do you know what's amazing? Is that every time I say it, things are lighting up, right? I'm getting to see and being reminded that you're here. And in this very same way, Jesus has placed his people in this world so that people can see you. So that people can see who you are and what you're about. Because as they see you and what you're about, they get to know about who Jesus really is. This is God's intention. So you are the light of the world. Now we'll just stop for a second. This is who you are. This is who you are. You don't need to earn this. If you submit to King Jesus as your rescuer, you are the light of the world. And you can say, I don't feel like the light of the world, but that doesn't matter what you feel like. You are not a culmination of your feelings. You are the light of the world if you are a follower of Jesus. But it also carries with it a great privilege and responsibility. The privilege, we know, that we get to be part of God's family. But the responsibility is what? The call is found in Matthew 5, verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others. Let your light shine before others. Don't keep your lights hidden. Don't put your flashlights away. Let your light shine before others. I know some of you kids are probably getting tired. I'm trying to wear you out by saying light, 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 light. Enough times that you're finally like, ugh, it's wearing me out. In fact, that's how I used to do kids ministry. I would drink a big Red Bull before I do kids ministry. I start, Jeff Wright and I actually started a kids ministry in Maine. And I'm like, I have way more energy than all of you guys do. All put together. And by the end of, of the little session, it was like kids were like laying out and I'm still full of energy and going. So I'm gonna outlast you. Like the Energizer Bunny up here. All right, so shine your light before others. What does light do? We've already seen it this morning, right? It reveals, it leads people, it shows what's going on in the darkness. 
I'm from the state of Maine. I'm now a Canadian citizen, so don't call me an American. I'm a Canadian too, all right? But I'm from Portland, Maine. It's kind of like southern Canada in a way. Um, but in Portland, there's a place called Portland Headlight. Beautiful lighthouse. And um, right in front of the lighthouse, there are big rocks. And on those rocks are different dates. And under those dates, describe the crashes that happened. And so what is the Portland Headlight there for? Why do lighthouses exist? Kids, we're going to need your help. Why do lighthouses exist? So who can see in the fog? Yeah, the boats. To do all that stuff. To keep them away from destruction, right? To keep them away from destruction and lead them into a good place. And here's the reality. People walking in darkness. When we were walking in darkness, we were headed toward destruction, And being the light of the world, we're called to warn. And not just warn about the destruction that's coming. And do you know you're in a tunnel and there's beauty that you're missing? Not just to warn, but we're called to show people a different way. We being the the luminescence of the world are called to show a different way to live. We need to help people see who Jesus is and why they were made and, and how valuable they really are. And that they can have meaning and that they can have purpose. Being a follower of Jesus and being the luminescence of the world is not a call to show off to the world and be like, oh, look how much better I am than you. It's not a call to condemn people, especially on social media. You know, there's this new trend. It's not new, I guess. But you find a group that you disagree with and you just like throw social media bombs at them as if they're going to be like, oh my goodness, thank you for calling me a moron. I had no idea. But now that you blasted me, now I see the light. Now I really want to be a part of the thing that you're a part of. We should be, did I say, did I say light? Wow, I tricked myself. I'm like, you kids don't hear well, but I don't know what I'm even saying. So, but this idea that we should really be the light of the world, that we should be showing people that there's a different way to live. That we don't have to live to to blast other people, but rather we can love and be kind. We can show the gentleness and the love and the grace of God toward them, even in their darkness, even in their tunnel vision, because at one point we were all there, weren't we? You can't forget that. You can't forget that at one point you were blind and you didn't see it. Because when you forget that, you become proud and you become arrogant. And you think that you are the definer of all things righteous. And you are not. There's only one. And his name is Jesus. He is the definer of righteousness. He is the the light of the world. And he makes you the light of the world. Because he's at work through you. I think that they like my point. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. So, we're called to show a better way. Not condemning, not being separate, but inviting people into true liberation. Not moralism. Following Jesus does not mean moralism. Following Jesus does not mean behavior modification. That's not it. It's new life. It's resurrection. This is brand new. This is brand new. You see, religion is just a nice form of darkness. Do you hear that? Religion is a nice form of darkness. Where where you're in your tunnel... And you say, well, my tunnel's better than yours because I'm doing these nice things. And hopefully at the end of my tunnel, there's going to be a God who approves of me based on what I've done. And Jesus says, let me light up the San Francisco Bay for you. Get out of your tunnel. 
Get out of your to-do and don't do lists. And come into my done list, what I've done for you. I have made you the light of the world. And go and shine your light. See, the gospel says that we're accepted based on Jesus, not on our works. We're accepted because of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. So now we can go and be the light of the world. Not showing how great we are, but showing how great he is. That he would come after someone like me and rescue me. I can't believe that God would save me. Like there's so many mornings I wake up and I'm like, God, why would you go after me? Why would you want me? Like I'm a train wreck. I have so many things that I want to stop doing and being that I struggle with significantly. And I'm like, couldn't you have found someone better for this? He says, no, I love you. I love you. I chose you. And he says the same to all of his children. And so the result of being the light of the world is this, that they would see their good works and give glory to our Father in heaven. They would see the good works and give glory to our Father who is in heaven. So how does this work? How are people going to see that we are the light of the world, and they'll see the good works, and then say, wow, that was so amazing. Let me give glory to God who is in heaven. Have you, any of you ever experienced that? No, I haven't experienced that either. So is Jesus making this up? How is this going to happen? Is it that we all wear like working for Jesus t-shirts so that people know that when we're doing good things, it's like, oh, they're working for, for Jesus. And then when we're doing bad things, we just like cover up the S-U-S. So it's like working for G? It's like, yeah, I'm working for G. Not doing good things today, so I'm working for him. Is that what we're supposed to do? I mean, that's what some companies do when they go and volunteer. They put their logo on it. So it's like, oh, clearly you're from this company volunteering. And they say, wow, your company must be amazing. They would give you the day off, not really the day off, but send you to work in this way. So their glory is going to the company. So is that what we're supposed to be doing? Well, kind of. Let me, let me read you something from 1 Peter. 1 Peter is near the end of the, of the New Testament. 1 Peter chapter 3. Chapter 3, let me find the, what verses. 13 to 16. Who then will harm you if you are devoted to do what's good? Even if you should suffer for righteousness, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear or be intimidated. Here we go. Here's the verse. You ready? But in your hearts, regard Christ the Lord as holy, ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that when you are accused, those who disparage your good conduct in Christ will be put to shame. So do your good works, be the light of the world, so that people glorify your Father who is in heaven. How does that happen? Well, Peter says, be ready to give an answer. So when people say, oh, like, why are you doing this for us? Why are you doing this for our community? Why are you living this way? Why are you inviting me over? Don't just say, well, I'm the light of the world. Like, that's weird, right? Well, I'm just trying to be a good, a good brother. Like, that's strange, Be ready to give an answer. Well, here's why. Because Jesus came for me. Jesus invited me. Jesus did this. And you don't need to make it weird. You can make this as normal as you possibly can, but be ready to give an answer so that they begin to understand that Christianity isn't just a a list of tenets that you accept and a group over here that you hate. 
In fact, it's not Christianity at all. It's a group of enemies, former enemies and rebels that have said, Jesus, you are everything that we need and we submit our lives to you and we're brought into the family and now we get to go and we get to distribute his goods. We are dealers of the righteousness of God and his grace all over the city or wherever we're called to be. That you were called to be dealers of God's goodness. That's our role. And the mission is this, that God wants his light of the world to care for people and creation by showing and telling the excellencies of Jesus. That's the mission, to care for people and creation by showing and telling of the excellencies of Christ Jesus. What does this mean? How do we live on this mission? I'm going to wrap up with six things. All right, six things, and then we'll be, we'll be done. The first thing is that if you are the light of the world, you are called to have a vibrant relationship with God. This does not mean just a Sunday morning thing. This means that every day, constant, continual, ongoing, that you are in a relationship with God. And your relationship is not on what you feel but how he is pointed toward you, his orientation toward you, which is full of grace and love and mercy and perseverance and long-suffering and being slow to anger. Like, he is for you. Some of you think that God is this mean old man with a stick waiting to hit you when you do something wrong, but he is a benevolent father who who has moved into you through his spirit And is wooing you toward himself, wanting you to be more and more like his son. And he's so committed that he is promising he's going to make you just like him. That you are so loved by him and he invites you into relationship with him. And we somehow compartmentalize that into like, uh, it means I have to get up early and I have to read and I have to pray. And we systematize everything rather than thinking relationship with God is saying what you're feeling to God. Sometimes I wake up in the morning, I say, God, here are my feelings. I don't feel like being here. I don't want to be up early. I don't want to be reading your scriptures today. But I know that you said life comes from this, so I'm believing you over my tiredness and over my laziness. I'm here. And so often, it's like he shows up, and not as if he wasn't there, but all of a sudden I see something that I haven't seen before, and I'm weeping, I'm celebrating. No one else is up in my house at five in the morning when I'm up. So I can do whatever I want. Right? Within reason. But it's a worship session with no music and very quiet lips like this. Right? Because I don't want to wake everyone up. But this vibrant, ongoing relationship with God, because if you're going to be the light of the world sent out, you have to be connected to him. You can't say, okay, I'm unplugging the computer now. It's just going to work on its own. No. We stay plugged in to the source This means prayer and word and confession and complaining. You know how much I complain to God? I complain all the time to him about what I don't like. And I read the Psalms and I'm like, oh, I'm in good company. Because people of God have been complaining to him for a long time. Work through your issues with God. Your apathy. Are you apathetic toward God? In fact, you hear all this stuff this morning and you're like, it doesn't move me at all. There's probably some apathy there. It's time to wake up. It's time to wake up and go spend some time with your dad and say, what's wrong? Why don't I I want you? 
could be apathy, it could be fear, it could be addiction, it could be control. What is keeping you from being the light of the world that you're supposed to be? Because the truth is, if you see him consistently for who he is, you're going to want to talk about it. You're going to want to talk about him. Whatever grabs your heart, you're going to talk about. People talk to me about the craziest things all the time that I don't care about at all. But do you know what I know? It's really important to them because they're talking about it. Jesus grabs your heart, you're going to talk about him. And not in a weird, strange way, like you want some bread or you want the bread of life. What do you want? It's like, I don't understand you. Don't do weird evangelism strategies like that. But talk in a very real sense of how Jesus is bringing you through the fear that you're, you're experiencing. How he's bringing you through addiction. How he's bringing you through apathy. Vibrant relationship with him. Second, as you're praying, ask the Spirit for opportunities to care and tell. Okay, you want me to be the light of the world? Then give me an opportunity today. I guarantee he does. I guarantee he does. Try it. Tomorrow morning, wake up. Holy Spirit, give me an opportunity today to care and tell of the excellencies of Jesus. And if you don't pray that, why don't you pray it? That'll show you what, what your heart is really worshiping and after. But ask the Spirit for this. Be begging God for people. Be begging God for revival to happen in your hearts. And then be ready to share. As opportunity arises, be ready to share the goodness of who God is. Remember, we show and we tell. So it's not always tell. Sometimes it's buying someone's lunch. Sometimes it's, it's inviting someone over. Sometimes it's helping um, them paint their house. Right? That we show of the goodness of Jesus as well. Third thing. So vibrant relationship with God. Ask the Spirit for opportunities to share. Third thing. Live your life and invite others into the normal things. How many of you eat? Or you're sleeping. I don't know. All of you eat. If you don't, you should, right? You all eat. Don't just eat by yourself. Invite other people to eat with you. Bring people into your, into your place or meet at the food court or do whatever. But eat with people. And as you're eating with people, ask them their story. Ask them the why. Why are you doing the things you do? Not in a like, condemning way, but like, oh, this is your job. Like, why did you choose that job? What is your hope? Uh, what, why are you doing this? What, why are you married? Why did you want to, like, asking why to everything will, will give you this window into someone's soul. Because it gets down into the root motivation. Play. Like, go to the park. Invite people to the park. When we think about mission, we think it's so hard and it's like doing really hard things. But instead, it's inviting people into the things you're already doing. I just talked to a woman this week that she said, yeah, we lead this little mission group on the South Shore. And she said that um, we enjoy doing CrossFit. And so we built a CrossFit thing in our backyard. And now all our neighbors are coming over to do CrossFit because we like doing CrossFit. They like doing CrossFit. So we do it together. And now we're journeying with them spiritually as well. That's like, that's mission. You don't have to go do things you hate. Like, well, I'm on mission. I'm going to go do a knitting circle, right? For all of you doing knitting circles, I'm sure it's really cool, but I would not enjoy that one bit. But what are the things that I can do with people? Fourth thing, make availability in your schedule for others. Do you have a calendar? You should. Put in there available time for people. Do you call people, counsel people? It's, it's about people. If your mission becomes feeding the squirrels, I just want to let you know there's enough garbage in our city to take care of them. 
right? That's probably not what God is calling you to do, to be the light of the world to the squirrels. But to be the light of the world to, to people, that you can care for them, that you get to know them. Be available. Be available, which moves me to the fifth thing, okay? Say yes to unexpected things. Jess and I were talking recently, and we said, what would it be like if we said yes to everything for a year? There's a movie Jim Carrey's in. I don't remember if it's good or bad. I'm not condoning it or not condoning it. don't know. It's good? It, well, I don't know who that is telling me it's good, so I still don't condone it or not. But it's yes, man. And so he decides everything he says is going to be yes, or he goes to some conference. I don't remember. Anyway, imagine saying yes to everything. That any opportunity within reason that came up, you just said yes to. Because, Lord, I'm, I'm going to be available for people. And I'm going to say yes to things that maybe I've been saying no to. Kids are really great at this. I'm like throwing my kids under the bus on this morning. I'm sorry, kids. Um, we'll feed you lunch today. How's that? All right. So um, our kids are always asking, can we invite these people over? Can we invite these people over? And they do it in the most awkward way, right? It's not like they run over. It's like the person standing right there. They're like, can they come over for lunch? And then, like, our values get put on the table. We're like, well, maybe you should have asked us in private. And the people are just looking at us like, oh, yeah, it's okay. No, we understand your parents don't like us. Like, ah, I don't know. But kids are great at just saying yes and being in the moment because they don't have a big agenda. Their agenda is to love the people that are in front of them. And as children of God, being the light of the world is to say yes. It's to be spontaneous sometimes. Maybe cleaning your house ahead of time, expecting that someone might be coming. Maybe it's buying a little bit extra food in case someone gets invited over for dinner that evening. Because the ministry of Jesus seemed to happen in the spontaneous, didn't it? Jesus was teaching, preaching, being important things. And then someone cuts a hole in the ceiling and drops someone down. And Jesus doesn't say, get out of here, paralyzed man. You're not on my schedule. No, instead, he ministers to the man. Right? Jesus is on his way to care for a little girl that's dying. And this woman grabs his robe and she gets healed. And Jesus, instead of like powering forward, stops and said, who touched me? Because he was available for that person in the moment. That's how Jesus rolled. And Jesus changed the world. You know, we wake up in the morning sometimes that, man, I'm going to change the world today. I'm going to conquer my task list. But that comes through being available in the moments that Jesus presents to you. Jesus said yes because he knew the kingdom of God had broken in and darkness was done. The last thing, and then we'll be done, is continual. How do we live on mission? Vibrant relationship with God. Ask spirit for opportunities. Live your normal life with gospel intentionality. Make availability in your schedule. Say yes. And the last thing is to do this continually. There's no break for the lights of the world. There's no break. Kids, keep your lights on for the rest of the time. There's no break for the lights of the world. These things move continually. Jesus took his disciples on vacation one time. He said, let's go. You guys need a break. And he took them. And when they got to the place where they were going, 5,000 men plus their family showed up. And what does Jesus do? We're going to feed them. But Jesus, we're on vacation. We don't have any food. No, no, we're going to feed them. In fact, you give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. I'm the light of the world. And what ends up happening is that Jesus multiplies the food. There's this great miracle. Everyone gets fed. And then what does he do? He nourishes the disciples with the food that 
Jesus had provided afterwards. They all got a basket. And he's saying, are you kidding me? You don't think that I can take care of you? You don't think that as you're available to be the light of the world, that you are plugged into this inexhaustible resource of goodness that I can bring whatever needs to be brought in this moment, especially on vacation. Like this is how Jesus moves. And he wants to move through us in this way. That he wants to feed people on our days off and our breaks and our, oh, but I thought I was getting a rest. But it's not a rest from being distributors of goodness. We, we hear Sabbath and vacation and we make it all about us instead of thinking, how can I receive from the Lord and then be a conduit to others? So here's the, the thing. If you're going to live a continual life of mission, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. You have to go slow at this. You can't invite people over your house every night of the week or you'll burn out and you'll be like, I tried that mission thing once. It was really tiring. You'll also burn out if you do it out of your own, out of your flesh, out of your power. Because Jesus wants to be the light through you. So we'll end with this. Lights get passed from person to person. Who are the people in your life? The names and faces the ones and twos or fives and tens? Who are the people you work with, your neighbors, your friends, your coworkers, your family that don't yet know him? Do you know why Jesus has placed you into their life? Not to be their rescuers, but to be the light of the world, to show them what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus and to, to remove the fog from the Golden Gate Bridge so that they get to see the beauty of who Jesus really is. So we're sent out in the midst of a pandemic to go and be the light of the world. Not in our own power and strength, but out of resurrection power and strength. And right now could be the moment where Jesus hijacks Montreal and says, no, this is my city. And I'm going to flex in such a way that it becomes mine. And everyone knows that it's mine. And no one church or little movement or thing can ever claim credit for it. Because I took the most unreached city in the Western Hemisphere. And I made it the most reached city. And the cross on the mountain is not just a neat little thing for photos. But it actually means something where people see and are reminded, Ah, my sin was born on that thing by my rescuer, Savior. And I'm going to go be the light of the world in my normal everyday shindig in Montreal. So let's pray for that to happen. Lord, thank you that you are a great God. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you have made us the light of the world. We're not worthy of this, but you are. And we get to go and we get to shine our lights in such a way that people might see your goodness and your greatness. So we pray that you would, you would keep reaching people, keep planting churches, allow for your spirit to fall on the city in a very heavy, yet beautiful way. So that people, every man, woman, child would know and have regular interaction with the good news of who you are. So we love you. We are inadequate for this task, but you are adequate. We love you and we need you. Amen.